welcome to What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 great new cards for Stormstar's Cursebreakers. I'm your host, Davey, and with me, as always, I've got Phil. How are you doing, Phil? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. And back with us is a good friend of the show, Jeff Osborne. Welcome, Jeff. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for again uh, for having me. Uh, always, always good to have you on. Um, we're going to be talking uh, about the new universals that came out in the Man Trappers and Worm Spat decks today. Specifically, the universals. We'll come back around to the warbands themselves at a later date. Um, but uh, that's that's going to be our breakdown. We're going to be picking some of our favorites or some of the most conversation worthy uh, in the deck. I should say in the uh, in the new releases, uh, and that should put it in context for you. Uh, we're recording on the third of February, so uh, they're not actually even out yet, uh, although they've been heavily previewed at this point. And uh, if you want, I'll uh, try to put some links to some of the uh, some of the reviews of these, um, which is a good time to shout out some community stuff. So uh, John Win Reese and Aman, and uh, also now Jonathan Davis have all done uh, early on a, a well of power. Hexes and warbands, and can you roll a crit? Not respectively. I've got them all out of order, but uh, they are. Uh, they all have. If you want to take a close look and get uh, further opinions on those, you can you can go take a look there. Uh, other community shoutouts. Um, we're gonna be talking to Jeff. He'll give us a quick rundown at LVO. But uh, speaking of LVO, just wanted to uh, give a tip of the hat to Aman, who had a pretty spectacular showing at uh, at LVO. He won both of the uh grand skirmishes and made it to the grand clash final uh, only to come up just barely short there which is a pretty unprecedented showing i think at, a, at an event like that that's, that's pretty amazing yeah almost a hat trick yeah uh that is a level of consistency when you we take it with his other grand clashes which is uh pretty much unparalleled as, as far as i'm concerned and uh, that's it's very impressive so um uh, hats off to him on um for community shoutouts, Tom Bond and Michael Carlin had their second episode of Chatting Crits. They've got uh, one of the fellows from Ready for Action on there, and it's uh, it's another excellent one. They're talking aggro there, which is particularly interesting to me. I really enjoyed listening to that. Um, and uh, so definitely recommend you go check that out. They, uh, they're they having a limited run for their first season, so uh, listen while you can. Uh, it's totally worth your time. Anybody else got any community shoutouts before we move on? I think just uh, kudos to Underworlds DB and also uh, Deckers that have, have turned around all the cards um, that got previewed this week in record time. I think Underworlds DB won by maybe a day or two in the race uh, mm-hmm. for internet superiority. But um, <laughs> overall, you know, as as we all try to start getting into deck building before the cards get here, it's extremely helpful when these um, these web-based uh, deck building sites kind of move so quickly from the the uh, card previews that GW gives us. So yeah, kudos uh, to those uh, two platforms. Yeah, because as soon as we see the decks, the thing you want to do is start putting them, or as soon as, as soon as you see the cards, is, the thing you want to do is start putting them into decks. And so uh, you get itchy, itchy typing fingers until that's available. So yeah, <laughs> appreciate their, their uh, helping us out there. Uh, oh, I guess one more thing that uh, I wanted to hit was, uh, I don't know if you guys heard it, the uh, Battle for Salvation released there. The undies? Undies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was pretty fun. I hope they do that again next year. And I'm I'm a little jealous that we didn't think of that. But it, it was uh, it's very much on brand for them, their uh, their style of presentation. So, um, And a, a very uh, modest length of an episode for, uh, for any of us these days. So uh, very listenable. I'd recommend you go check it out if you get a chance. Yeah, it was very funny. Yeah, kudos to the uh, intro 
like with with the claps and everything it's, yeah it's good yeah it's good i i now understand why it took a little longer to edit uh, it's been <laughs> it's been recorded for a little while is is uh what i'm told but uh yeah it was cool cool to hear um but with that unless anything's got anyone's got something else we'll uh we'll go on to our what the heck is going on with you i'll kick it off because uh mine is relatively brief um jeff and i have been uh engineering a uh a profiteers deck um and uh really trying to really trying to fine tune it it's, it's feeling pretty good uh, and then i'm i'm going on to lose in creative and novel ways uh, against different people so uh today i i uh managed to take a big loss to uh tommy convoy when i uh accidentally left uh Thundric in range of a uh blightbane charge who knocked me back into an edge and then collapsed uh with a, uh took took the one extra damage from that on me and I lost uh I lost Thundric on the second activation of the entire game which uh which makes it a pretty uphill battle for the rest of the uh rest of the game with uh profiteers so uh, <laughs> blightbane <laughs> is a he's the he's the reach he he uh he does uh three damage he only does hits on two hammers but uh it turns out if you've got sitting target in hand uh, uh yeah yeah, three that's it. yeah so mistakes were made and i uh i paid the price but uh but it's been feeling pretty good and uh i'm i'm leaning towards uh bringing them down to our uh, next tournament at cataclysm so nice uh, we'll see which actually as of the uh, release of this will have happened about two days ago so I guess I'm not giving away any secrets, but, um, Jeff, we're going to leave you for last. Cause we'd, we'd like to hear a little bit about your LVO experience. Phil, what, uh, what have you been up to? So we just kicked off the fourth season of our local league. Um, mm-hmm. so that was pretty exciting. We had, uh, eight players out on a Thursday. So I think it might've even been 10. Was it 10? Yep. Once you, there was a Vince and Cam uh, mm-hmm. jetted out and we still had enough yeah, for yep, uh, yep. four games simultaneous. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, good. yeah, really getting, getting a sizable community going here in our area and that's feeling really good. Um, super excited for the two new war bands as well. I think, I think a lot of people in our area are as well. So really looking forward to all of the things that that will bring. Right. Uh, Jeff, w- tell us, tell us a little bit about LVO. I know, I know we're excited about the new war bands, but this, uh, this predates them uh, a little bit, but, uh, you, you got out to LVO. Is that a regular thing for you? And, uh, and what, uh, what'd you, what'd you get to do when you, yeah, actually it was my first time to, uh, LVO, definitely not my first time to Vegas, but, um, <laughs> I was really excited. It's been on the, my bucket list of tournaments. I go to, um, you know, I go to Adepticon, I go to uh, Warzone Atlanta, the American Team Championships in the summer. So I, I do try to get out to these events. Um, but LVO for the last five, six, whatever years, I, it's always escaped me. So I, I decided this year I was going to make the effort, make the pilgrimage. Um, and I headed down there for the Grand Skirmishes and the Grand Clash. Um, before I get into this, I just want to give a, a big uh, kudos to the TO um, who not only organized it single-handedly, he drove quite a ways to get there, but uh, Best Coast pairing, pairings crashed on the Friday, and he did 37 or 40 pairings or 40 uh, players, and he did it all by hand, glory differential, Oof. doing all the pairings, and we were only uh, we only ended up losing one round of the eight. So um, he just, he was incredible. So uh, kudos to him. Uh, his name's not coming to me right now, but I did want to give... Is it David Cutts, is that right? That is it. Thank you very much for the reminder. Um 
so uh, I ended up going down for the two grand skirmishes. They were on the Friday and the Saturday. The grand clash was on the Sunday. I feel like there was a bit of a, a mix up on days. I think the grand clash might've been supposed to be on the Saturday, but once it was booked and everybody had, um, you know, made their plans to head down there, I don't think they wanted to make that change. And I think that was probably the better, the better call in the end. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the grand skirmish, I had never done one. I wasn't too sure what to expect. It was uh, eight single rounds. So best of ones. And, uh, I kind of thought, oh, this feels a little gamey. I'm not too sure. Like, I'm just going to, you know, pull out a, a bad draw, and that's just going to be the game, and I'll take a loss. But uh, when I got in there, I realized that that's the way it is for everybody. And um, it was kind of nice to see war bands that you might see do well in a best two to three, maybe not doing so well in a best of one. And so you kind of always felt like you were in it. Nobody uh, finished the day, um, you know, winning all of their games, although uh, Amon was very close. Um but it also felt a little bit like speed dating, which was kind of fun. I got to sit, <laughs> sit across the table from seven different people from different places in the world. And it was a lot more fun than I had anticipated. And it really kept the day relaxed and, and casually. It was a 40-minute game and there was a 20-minute break in between. And yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of chatting. Um, and there was uh, Americans, Canadians, and there was actually a really big group from the UK that came over. And they posted on the Facebook group on their way that they were playing on the plane uh, longboards, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was just, uh, that's dedication right there. So, um, yeah. but it was nice. Uh, there was Amon, uh, Jonathan Davis, Tony Fields, a lot of Canadians, um, and all the people from the UK. So it was a good time. It was good to catch up with everybody. Uh, as you were mentioning, you and I played, or you and I were putting together a bit of a Thundrix deck, um, that I will give you full credit for. I, I kind of was playing with uh, curse breakers and a few other war bands, you know, in the weeks leading up. And I just wasn't really feeling them. And uh, you had suggested this Thundrix deck uh, that was a little bit more uh, control-based. And uh, with a, just a few reps, um, the week or two before I went down, I, th- I think I did pretty well. On day one, I ended up going uh, five and two. Um, I even had to go through the, the gauntlet of Jonathan Davis, uh, Tony Fields, Rob Howard from the UK, and even uh, uh, Derek, um, you know, uh, from Calgary, who uh, was on, was he on this podcast or was it on um, Battle he, for he Salvation? He made it to Battle for Salvation. Is that's right. Was, so. That's right. He yeah. must have drank six or seven beers in that. Uh, <laughs> he was quite the character. Him and I actually played in the very final round. He he knocked me out of the top four, uh, but I did manage to stay in the top eight, which was great. Um, him him and I had a great time. Um, and I ended up earning the uh, acrylic uh, glory tokens, which is really what I wanted. To, uh, that was my goal going down there was try to get top eight, try to get those uh, fancy, fancy acrylic gl- gl- glory tokens. So really happy. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to interject for just a second because I can hear him yelling at me from Canada. Uh, Mark Cooper is the one who slid me the original, uh, original template for the uh, profiteers deck that you and I are now. Uh, I I think I've got it as, you know, so the U S Navy uh, rates things as like Mark one, Mark two, Mark three. So I've got it, I think in underworlds DB, I've got it uh, listed as Thundrix from Mark 4.1. Uh, that's, what, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's just the deck that keeps on giving so no yeah. I, I, well kudos to him then as well um so that i think they played really well um playing a, a control type um play style with thundrix does catch people off guard a little bit because they're assuming you're going to be playing aggro and in a best of one you know it really worked out there's a few times where i got long boarded and uh yeah i just kind of smiled a little inside um <laughs> where they 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 deployed at the back uh and they thought then they gave me three objectives and I was more than happy to sit on those three objectives uh, until mm-hmm. they realized it was too late. So um, that was a good, good deck design, um, and I had a good time with it. Uh, sure. Day two went four and three. I actually played a lot of the same people. Just I don't know if it was 
out of karma, but I had a lot of rematches, um, Mm -hmm. with Davis and, uh, and Rob from the UK and, and they, they beat me this time. So I ended up, they were my, my big losses. Um, I only ended up losing by a single glory in both those games, but I finished in the top 24, didn't do better than day one, but I was really happy with it overall. Yeah. If you can make it out to the LVO Adepticon, some of these big tournaments, it's just really, um, it's something else to be sitting in a room with people who you see on the Facebook groups all the time. They're, they're community uh, developers or community um, content creators. Um, everybody is just really excited about new warbands coming out. How did you build your deck? Great, great paint job, that sort of thing. So if you can get out to one of these like really big uh, events, uh, I would definitely encourage you to. I think the next one on my list is Adepticon. So uh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. We'll see you there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, all right. So thanks for the rundown. Um, we're going to get into the main episode here. So we're going to be talking uh, again to, to reiterate, we're talking about the universals that came out with worm spat and the man trappers. And we're going to you know, go objectives, gambits and upgrades. And uh, we'll each bring up some of the ones that we thought were particularly conversation worthy. Now that may be because we think they're particularly powerful uh, because they may signal that something to come because we think they're a trap, um, like they, they are not as good as they look, or, or whatever the case may be. Um, but we kept it pretty open uh, as far as the criteria for picking that. So, Phil, you want to kick us off here, if you're up for it? Yeah, sure. All right. Um, so I guess uh, the thing that I n- noticed from looking at these objectives, and, and we kind of alluded to this already with our... Uh, under 30 cards that are great for curse breakers. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, really easy objectives for spell casting. Mm-hmm. Um, and one in particular that I thought was interesting was arcane arrest. Um, arcane arrest is an objective where you um, have to, uh, this, this one is, it's somewhat situational um, but I think it's going to start to become more common where you just deal damage with a spell to any enemy hunter or quarry and you score this immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, now of course there's the potential that you'll be facing a warband that doesn't have any hunters or quarries. And then this is kind of a dead card, but I think with the popularity of, um, things like survival instincts already, that just makes you a quarry. Oh. Um, as well as war bands like Crothgorn, who are probably going to be popular that make or that have two hunters already in their warband. Um, mm-hmm. that I don't think it's going to be that uncommon to see at least one hunter or quarry. And all, I mean, it's as simple as play a ploy where you have an innate, uh, focus and you just get a glory. Um, and that, that seems really strong. And I was a little surprised to see something like this because easy glory from spellcasting is already pretty good. Um, so it was a direction that I was not expecting them to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially since this season has been been so far so hunter and quarry oriented. I really thought that was the direction I was I was thinking, geez, they might not even not even have any more casting related um, spells and yeah, this has definitely been the release where they've kind of gone back to the season two, um, niche. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of stuff for magic. How about you, Jeff? Uh, what's an objective that you thought was interesting? 
Um, on that same note, I was thinking rising power. Um, it's a surge. It's a score immediately after a friendly fighter casts a spell and you rolled three or more dice in the casting roll. Um, so this also applies to, again, we keep going back to curse breakers, but, um, when, when he shoots his, um, his spell action, if he has anything that's plus one dice or potion of rage or anything, he's rolled more than three. And the interesting part about this one, and we'll have to fact check this later is it doesn't say successful. Um, right. I, just, just have to roll the dice. You just need you to roll to. the dice yeah. and, and, uh, being somebody who can't seem to roll dice very well, sometimes I think this card <laughs> is, is almost broken. So, uh, I, I'm very interested to see them bring out a card like this. Um, but that's, uh, that's why I've got it on my list. Rising. Yeah. You know what I'm hearing right here is, uh, Fedra plus arcane savant. Yeah. Uh, lock it in. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, magic. <laughs> Magic God Sworn. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think I have an Adepticon plan. <laughs> Surprise there with God Sworn last year. The only way to go is Magic God Sworn this year. Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, for for me, uh, I one of my picks was um, Adaptive Strategy. It will score in an end phase if you have scored five or more hybrid objective cards. And I was like, oh. Like I, I really do kind of like some of the design space that the, the hybrid objectives have been sitting in because it, you know, you think about stuff like uh, Hunt's End for um, for Skate's Wild Hunt where they can either have taken out a fighter with four wounds or or otherwise it's like an hour only way out that is uh, two glory for holding three. Like some of those are really occupy a cool space. And what I thought was crucial about this was that uh, hybrid objective cards, if you build it right, Theoretically, the rest of your deck could be hybrid because something could be surge and a hybrid, or it could be in hybrid end phase. So yeah. I was really excited about this. And then I did a search on Underworlds DB. I said, uh, filter for objectives of any kind, show me hybrid. And all all objectives, universal and faction specific, I think it came up with 10 total in the game right now. So yeah, uh, not... Not ready for prime time, but watch this space is my take on it. I think uh, I think it has potential depending on what uh, gets out. If you can really load up a, a hybrid deck, that'd be cool. Uh, so if a faction drops that has a bunch of hybrid objectives uh, built in or something like that, that'll get exciting. And gathered momentum is almost a, a must take in, or like a, an auto take in a lot of warbands, especially mm -hmm. uh, Wild Hunt, as you just mentioned. So yeah, there's some yeah. warbands that are really attuned for that. Yeah, so I think uh, I think a few more, a little bit more help here or there, and they, they, it uh, this might be a card to to come back to. Um, Jeff, let's come back around to you. Or uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll hit you again. What do you got? Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, you know what? I saw perfect match. Now, perfect match is for glory. Score this in an end phase if you had scored ten or more objectives. And anything time I see four glory, I assume you'll never score it. And then ten objectives, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, that sets up about right. Um, but this is the biggest flaw I see in aggro warbands is that they want to score really easy one glory, um, uh, you know, score immediates, one glory end phase type cards, and they can go through their deck so quickly, but at the end of the day, their ceiling is so low. They only have, you know, 12 to, to 14 glory in their, in their uh, deck where all of a sudden now you put in perfect match um, and it's for glory. All of a sudden that can be that, that catch up card. Maybe mm -hmm. it's equivalent to what was the one where if you scored, um, Oh, I'm already scored six yeah, superior tactician. That's right. Superior tactician. Yeah. It's almost like the superior the... tactician of, of the season three. And I, 
I don't know if it's going to be a perfect match, pardon the pun, but I, I do think for some decks um, who want to move quickly, I think there's some uh, Thundrix Profiteers decks that can just rifle through, through uh, if they want to. I think this could be a really good fit. So I think it's an interesting card. I, I don't know if you'll see it everywhere, but it's definitely going to catch some people by surprise when they're up by three or four and perfect match comes down to win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil, I think you had, there's a, there's a good partner to this so we can talk together. Uh, you, you had uh, picked out aggressive strategy. Yeah. So it's sort of actually, I think all three of the ones we just mentioned, um, including aggressive strategy, they, uh, all kind of fit the same design space of these end phase cards that are reliant on having scored other objectives. Aggressive strategy is the, uh, scored in an end phase if you have scored five or more surge objectives and it's for two. Um, so very similar to adaptive strategy, but potentially more difficult because you, you do have to score five of six of your surge cards. Mm -hmm. Um, however, like Jeff was mentioning, uh, if you design your deck in such a way that all of your surges are super easy, which I think at this point, most people are trying to go that route. Uh, this starts to feel like a round two or round three, almost guaranteed to glory. Um, mm -hmm. It certainly seems better than combo strike in some decks. Um, and if you get really crazy, you might even run both. Um, although that's, that's asking for a bricked hand, I think. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it, it, it occupies a similar space where you're, you're, you can sort of snowball your deck here. I think the interesting thing with perfect match is that this, I mean, perfect match is basically a third end phase objective, but it almost pairs well with any one of these other ones, because if you can score all of your hybrids or all of your surges, and then that other one, you're already most of the way there for getting perfect match anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, I think it's it's that problem of like, well, what do you do if you draw that and another end phase in your start, starting hand? And sure, you get some of those tough questions. Yeah, I think I think uh, clearly the the biggest challenge with these is the the ability to brick, especially you know there's a there was often in season one when you had um, superior tactician, you could draw that early and still be able to score it because scoring only six, especially when there was no limit on surges. Uh, oh yeah, that you could still work your way through that. If you if you draw perfect match in your opening hand and have to get through ten of your other eleven, and you can only afford to throw away one, that has the potential to really put the brakes on, and you're going to draw it in that first hand a quarter of the time. Uh, so yeah. I think you need to make sure that everything else in your deck is like real reliable. Like there's nothing that's a, a reach there. But uh, I like I like where it sits. Um, I'd be interested to see if they. Uh, you know, there, I feel like there's some design space where they could, you know, have a, a gambit or something that says, you know, take a, take a, uh, objective card from your hand and put it on the bottom of your deck or something like that. lets you mitigate some of these, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen too, too much about that. Um, yeah. So, uh, those, those, uh, what are cool about those is that they're, they're very much about your deck design, uh, how you, how you uh, put everything together, uh, to make that happen. Um, Phil, uh, how about we throw it right back at you? Give us another. Uh, well, the the other one that I've got here is Sorceress Volley. Um, again, the spellcasting, which I have been playing recently while I was waiting for the new Warbands to come out. 
Um, I was playing Curse Breakers. And Sorceress Volley is another really easy one where you, well, I don't know if I'd say really easy because you could just kill your target, but you have to score it after you have made your second or subsequent spell attack in a phase against the same enemy fighter. Um, Now, of course, the risk here is that you just kill them and then you can't score it, uh, which would be, I guess, a shame, but (laughs) you got to kill. But the nice thing is that you don't have to hit. You can miss Mm. both of your attacks and you could still score this. Um, So I think at the early parts of the game, this starts to feel really nice because if you can position somebody like Stormsire where he can just sort of go turret mode, um, it's like he's on one damage and he's basically just rolling hammers. There's no guarantee you're going to kill anybody or hit anybody, but you can pretty much guarantee that if you can take two shots, you've got one glory, mm-hmm. um, which I think is strong. I think while curse breakers, I think benefit the most from this spellcasting tech, I think it actually gives any of the other one spellcaster warbands a chance at playing spellcasting again, which kind of, I think will, um, diversify that magic field a little bit. Sure. I mean, though, they would love, the other warbands would love to see some ability to uh, surge some off of spells. Um, we'll see later that the, uh, the curse breakers have picked up another way to get a, a second person with a spell attack action. So once again, they potentially benefit more from it than others, although, uh, they're kind of spoiled for choice on those. Um, so yeah, turret Vortimus might really do some work with this. Um, well, talking about different ways to to score for for taking fighters out in an unconventional way, uh, there's unexpected pitfall, and this uh, this feels like the improved Big Brother to uh, Master of Terrain, which was which was a surge for a surge for one glory to if somebody got taken out by a lethal. This one is. Uh, actually a hybrid um, and score immediately after an enemy fighter is taken out of action by a lethal hex or an enemy fighter is taken out of action by damage dealt by a gambit you played. And uh, a gambit is a, a spell or uh, or any of those chip damage, things like lethal ward or collapse or something like that. Um, this feels like it happens a lot. Uh, and so I think this, this one seems real uh, attractive to me. I, I see it happen in a lot of games and building a deck the right way. I think this would be super, super doable. Um, so, cause I think that also goes off of uh, pit trap and snare. Like those are all ploys, yeah. um, or sorry, gambits that mm-hmm. you play. So yeah, no, this is it's strong. Yeah. A lot, a lot of ways to trigger this. And, uh, I, you know, you see a lot of fighters die with lethals in, in beast grave. So, uh, something there, uh, we're, we're starting to build up the list of, of hybrids. Uh, you got gathered momentum, <laughs> unexpected yeah. pitfall. Well, you know, it's starting to rise. Yeah. Can't hold me back. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else do you got, Jeff? Uh, I've got uh, kind of on a similar vein um, against the wall. Um, it's uh, it's a surge. It's for one glory. It says uh, score this immediately when an enemy fighter in an edge hex is taken out of action. Um, mm-hmm. The reason I like this one is that uh, some ploys uh, that, that uh, we might talk about later. Um, there's, uh, I think it's called collapse. Is it? Yep. yep. Yeah, collapse where um, you pick uh, three edge hexes that are touching each other and everyone in those hexes um, is dealt one damage. The interesting part about this card for me is that it just says when an enemy fighter in an edge hex is taken out of action. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. say anything about by an attack action. It doesn't say anything about a gambit, uh, a lethal hex, 
Um, they could even kill themselves with uh, by rolling two crits on a spell. So there, yeah. <laughs> it's got it's got actually a lot of a lot more play than other cards. Because I look at this and think this is like an aggro card. Um, when you've got strong start, you know if you draw that later, you can't use it. So this, I'm trying to look for more aggro related cards, and I think this kind of fits into that vein. It's a different way of of putting some kill cards in distraction. There's now a new distraction. You know, lots sure. of ways to push people in the lethal hexes, scoring sure. against the wall and, uh, and the one you just mentioned, unexpected pitfall, you know, two, yeah. two surges, uh, in one, one action. So I think that card's interesting. I like the design space. And I think there's ways that you can, uh, the more you play with it, you can kind of tweak the, uh, the board state a little bit to, to help you out. If you, if you're somebody who offsets the boards, uh, uh, a lot, if that plays into your play style, you by default increase kind of dramatically the number of edge hexes that exist, especially the ones that get played over as people move in and out of that choke point. Uh, but also along the, the edges of the, the board, the long edges that are now um, no longer aligned with another board. So there's more edge hexes there. Uh, and you can place a, you can place an objective. Uh, if you have that third one, try and place it up against an edge and then uh, tempt, you can tempt fighters to be in that spot. So you can, you can pick them off when they're standing there and get your uh, get your against the wall score. Yeah, and encroaching shadow, lethal ward. You know, just mm-hmm. put yeah. uh, put a lot of pressure on those edge hexes with yeah. collapse as well. So anyway, I, I like it. Sure. Yeah, I guess I can think of a uh, uh, just stepping back a bit to the unexpected pitfall. Uh, just in our last league game, uh, Kacharik had uh, strayed to the wrong spot, and I it was totally unscathed, but I hit him with lethal ward. Uh, and then he was standing next to a lethal, so I gave him toxic gases, so he'd either get dragged into it <laughs> and all the way through it. Uh, so he took the damage, and then I distracted him into the lethal for the throw. So that's <laughs> uh, a lot of cards. A lot of cards that just take out Kacharik, but that was that was one of those hands. You're like, hmm, uh, I feel like uh, unexpected pitfall would be kind of handy right here. Um, yeah. Anybody got any other objectives they want to hit before we move on to gambits? Um, I mean. I see that it's on your list, Davey, so I'll let you talk about it if you want. But I think sure. Team Effort is a really interesting card. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so Team Effort uh, specifically, I, I put it in here because it, it felt like uh, there's a few cards in this that feel like they, they may help if you're trying to do that control play style. And again, uh, if we differentiate between ag- aggro, hold objective, and control, control being the sort of defensive uh, standoff and deny glory, um, and this is uh, it's a duel. Score one glory in the end phase if you have two or more surviving friendly fighters and each surviving friendly fighter made one or more actions in the previous previous phase. That seems extraordinarily easy uh, to get, especially in small warbands. And those small warbands are frequently the ones that are wanting to do that control play style. Um, and it's just saying actions. So it's not even activations. So you can trigger this off, so off of jealous defense or even, you know, uh, out of activation. So any, any power card that's giving you an action, uh, stand and shoot, will even do it, you know, that, that sort of thing. So, yeah. uh, so pretty cool there. And I guess, uh, honorable mention, I had frantic exchange. This one is a lot harder, but also may play into the control play styles score immediately after a fifth or subsequent power card is played in the same power step. And that's from either player. Now, as, as the other player sees this happen, they may adapt against it. Uh, but frequently with that control play style, I'll see a big flurry of cards played at the end because you've saved up a bunch. Um, so worth consideration. But oh, mostly I put it in there because I love the quote is, uh, 
Morgok is saying, what the Zog is going on? Just like, <laughs> <laughs> and I've had those, I've had those power steps where you're, you're like, what? Like, how are we still just, you know, I haven't even taken my first activation yeah. yet. And I feel like we played an entire round, you know, uh, with enough stuff happening. So, uh, but yeah, speaking of, uh, speaking of power cards, um, Who's got a power card they want to talk about? Jeff, you got one that uh, stands out to you? Yeah, yeah. And actually, since we're reading uh, the text here, this one's called Maybe Maybe Just a Quick Breather, eh, lads? By Morgok. <laughs> and it's uh, Unnatural Truce. Uh, and it's for drawing up to two power cards. Each player draws, each other player draws up to one. And the reason I think this card's interesting is uh, I think there are times where you would draw two cards, um, two power cards, um, to give your opponent one power card. I... I think it's interesting design space. I don't know if it goes in every deck, but there's now um, objectives for having no power cards left. Um, mm-hmm. And you put this together with uh, Frenzied Search. And if you're playing um, the um, uh, the Reavers, they've got a few cards for if they die or you kill something, you draw more cards. So I think there's, there's maybe something here to just draw through your deck as quickly as possible, whether your opponent's drawing a card or not. So I, I kind of mm-hmm. thought Unnatural Truce was a, an interesting card. It is definitely a breath of fresh air. That's a good point because it, it, uh, like you said, you can, it can lean basically, you know, so some people pointed out that this is maybe a net zero because you're giving up one card for two and then you're, uh, the other player. So that's a net plus one card for you. And then your opponent gets a card. So that is a net plus one for them. Uh, so in between you, you haven't really gained cards in that sense. Although, you know, people, people were skeptical also about, uh, frenzied search because of, uh, giving up a card and playing a card just to draw three and, uh, look how popular that is. But I think if you, if you lean into it with the right stuff, like you said, with, uh, to the end for, uh, playing through all your power cards, or if you're a deck that really wants, you know, uh, wants all your chip damage to come through. Yeah. I think, I think you're totally right. I think this is an interesting spot to take a look at. Yeah. I just think there's some decks that they, they, they don't really care about your game plan. They just know that if they pull the cards they need, they win. And mm-hmm. um, whether they're giving cards to you doesn't matter because if they just find that one card. So, yeah, yeah, it could work. Sure. Uh, Phil, what do you got? Um, so in ploys, well, gambits, I guess, um, I thought that Buried Instinct was a really mm-hmm. interesting card. Um so so this one is a a reaction where before the attack roll you can give your friendly fighter a guard token. Um and if your friendly fighter is also a quarry, they can then re-roll one of the dice in their defense roll. Now whether the re-roll part is really going to come into play very often. I don't know. And I don't think it really matters all that much. Um, having the ability to have a tactical guard token, I think is just really powerful because mm-hmm. um, one, you're harder to hit and your opponent maybe wasn't expecting it. But I think the bigger part is that it means that you can, uh, you can, tactically decide when to make a fighter unable to be driven back Mm -hmm. and i think i think that could mean some miscalculations on your opponent's part because they might have been like holding on to a distraction or something for some other fighter thinking that well 
I'll knock this person off and then, you know, I'll take care of some other objective or something. And then all of a sudden that whole plan goes out the window because you had this reaction. Um, yeah, I, definitely. I, I think there's just, there's so many applications for this that we can't really cover it all here, but I expect to see this card a lot, especially in a, in decks that are playing objectives. Mm-hmm. I, and I can say playing, having played plenty of aggro, a lot of times you're doing the math on, I'm going to do all this and I'm going to push them after I do all the damage that I'm going to do. I'm also pushing them into a lethal and that's going to be the last bit of damage I need. Right. Uh, and this by virtue of being a reaction, like a reaction to deny that drive back hugely powerful. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I think ghouls, you're going to see a lot of ghosts. Well, I guess they don't care much about the lethals, but even there they get a, a substantial, uh, defensive boost mm-hmm. um, and they, and they want to remain standing on their objectives. So, uh, yeah, great, great choice. I think it combos nicely with a card later that we'll talk about, um, which is a cryptic companion, but we'll oh, around <laughs> <laughs> um, that's an upgrade. So for a later section, um, for me, I think uh, I, I brought up Nightmare in the Shadows, which is basically distraction, right? Like yeah. it's distraction with another name. Uh, it's kind of nuts to me now that they reprinted distraction uh, with this one coming along, right? Like, Yeah. Um, I mean, double distraction is really good. We've seen that already. Um, mm-hmm. Warbands that had multiple distractions always, already had a really strong control of the board and now all those warbands have three and if you're banshees you have four um i don't know i i'm not sure what the what the thought there was necessarily mm-hmm. yeah yeah i uh i'm wondering if you're gonna see one of these restricted like we've seen that in the past with with duplicates um so like long strider and burst of speed for a while only one of them was uh, restricted. Uh, great strength and incredible strength in season one. One of those restric- was restricted. So I don't know if maybe they're planning on something like that that we'll we'll see at some point. But yeah, although I think I, we're in a hold objective meta though, or currently we're in a hold objective meta though, and this is it's interesting to see them come out with a card. Now they've kind of seen the whole the whole release in advance, like they know what's coming and what's not. But for them to come out with Nightmare in the Shadows now after kind of this, was it uh, Ghouls have now three Grand Clashes in a row? Yeah. You know, so it's it's kind of interesting to see a card get released just on the tail end of that, which in theory makes Ghouls' life more difficult when there's mm-hmm. now two ways for for you to get pushed off. And if you're an aggro warband, though, having those cards in your, in your deck doesn't hurt you at all. Uh, sure. Pulling somebody closer to you or pushing somebody into a lethal, like it's, they have a lot of play those cards and I think it's interesting that they're not maybe helping what's best, the best war bands right now that maybe they're giving a leg up to the, some of the smaller ones. You know, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, that's, that's fair. So it, it, it may be a specifically a response to knowing that the objective play is particularly powerful. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, what do you got? Um, I've got a card called lucky escape. Um, it's mm. uh it's a reaction. It says, play this when a friendly fighter is dealt one damage precisely. That damage is not dealt to them. Um, now, I read this, and we'll bring this out to everybody here. Does this also apply to a lethal hex? If I'm pushed into a lethal hex, I'm dealt one damage precisely. That yes. damage is not dealt to them. Yeah. As, yeah, so um, I, it yeah, should apply. 
I saw this and I thought, my goodness. So this means uh, I get uh, Spear of Akshid. I get, um, you know, dealt one damage from ploys. I get pushed into a lethal X. This card to me seems very strong because I can't think of a lot of applications where maybe a control war band doesn't want this, as you mentioned, like knowing the math, having mm-hmm. being thrown off that one, especially when you throw a guard token on that says you can't be pushed or you're mm-hmm. using lucky escape reactions are just so strong because you don't need to play them. Because uh, sure. you can react to them. So yeah. I think Lucky Escape might see a lot of play. And uh, the card art is also fantastic. I love the Wolf Riders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, even even works against Backlash if you're... If you're uh, true, true. Like I think the one one thing that's kind of a question mark is uh, it, it says play when you are uh, dealt the damage it, it's a little bit confusing about how it might interact with certain reaction windows dealt one damage precisely um so i i think it just takes some close reading you may have to do a little bit of sorting out with your opponent if uh if you think it's occupying the same reaction window as something else yeah that's true yeah uh let's see uh phil what else you got so the other another one that i thought was interesting here um I know, I know some other people don't like this spell all that much, but I thought wild form was really interesting. Um, so wild forms, one of the sort of wordier cards here. So I'll try and give a fairly brief, um, synopsis here, but basically it's a spell that's cast. If you roll any doubles in the casting role. Um, so two channel, two focus, two crit. Um, so if you do happen to cast the spell, the fighter gets plus one damage to their range one and two attack action. So this is effectively a gambit that works as great strength. So you can bring an extra great strength. And then depending on which doubles you roll, you get either plus one move, plus one wounds, or plus one defense with wound or plus one move being the most likely and plus one defense with crits being the least likely. And this then persists until the fighter is taken out of action. So it's effectively an upgrade that you can put in your uh with your gambits and it's a passive spell so again like curse breakers or somebody can cast this and there's nothing really you can do about it they're just casting spells off in the corner um so i thought it was really interesting for that but then this this sort of ability to have in like a double upgrade as a ploy felt really powerful to me um Mm. And although plus one move is maybe not viewed as being that great, I feel like a lot of the spellcasters in the game are kind of slow. So plus one damage and plus one move could suddenly mean that a spellcaster is hitting for three or four damage in melee at speed four or five. Mm. Um, And so all of a sudden they cast a spell and they're coming in to take your head off. I also yeah. think that the the real um, goal of the card is plus one damage, and you get that on any double. So, like if you look at that as just the primary focus, I'm taking um, Storm Sire, and you know, on any double, and I've got an innate on any double, I'm getting plus one strength and plus one move. Like I, I agree with you yep. completely that that is extremely strong. And if I happen to not get my my um, 
uh, my lightning's off and I get two, uh, two swirls and I apologize for the big magic people out there that know the names. I can never remember them. Focus maybe, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. you know, to get plus one wounds. That's good too. Like these are, these are really strong and it's persistent until the caster is out of action, which is, as you mentioned, essentially, uh, an upgrade. But mm. plus one strength is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we continue to see curse breakers spoiled for choice with, uh, with new cards. <laughs> yeah. Where, where are they going to find the room? Uh, for, for me, uh, we've mentioned it a couple of times, but there is a collapse and this is, uh, this is, uh, a little tricky. I've seen some people confused by the wording, but, uh, you have to pick three edge hexes that are all, uh, adjacent to each other. Uh, and all in one person's territory. So the, your three hexes cannot extend into no man's land in between the boards. Uh, and then anyone in those three that you selected will take damage. So this means that 90% of the time it is a better, uh, a better encroaching shadow yeah. because you, you can get more than one, uh, more than one enemy with it. Every so often the enemy you want to get, you're going to be forced to hurt your own fighter or something like that. Uh, or if the one guy you want to get, it happens to be a no man's land, then, then you've got a problem. Uh, but if you look at a board, especially in the corners, there can be some pretty interesting ways for hexes to line up. Uh, because right, right in the corner, uh, it's easier to look at a diagram, but if you get one out, you can actually connect three hexes together and leave, leave the corner spot, uh, available because the the two hexes that are adjacent to that corner are also adjacent to each other. So you can have a collapse that somehow doesn't land on the very corner spot. So uh, take, a, take a look at a board when you get a chance. Uh, if you're going to play around with this, there's some pretty pretty tricksy things you can do with it. Yeah. And uh, it's particularly relevant with the unexpected pitfall and then with the worm spat who want to, want to inspire off of multiple people being damaged, multiple enemies being damaged. So um, worth noting. Uh, the only other one I really wanted to mention, I would say <clears throat> is, uh, leave nothing to chance. And this is, uh, this is destroy, destroy an objective that you're standing in basically, um, a, a gambit. It's kind of like the Ilthari has that one where she heals the, uh, uh, leech power. Yep. Um, uh, this just doesn't have a, a healing, um, and this is actually a feature token, so if it's already flipped, you can you can make sure nobody flips it back. So you can you can destroy it whether it's an objective or an objective that has been flipped into a lethal, uh, which is which is handy. Uh, and what's important about this is that this combined with uh, Abyssos unmaking uh, maybe makes Scorched Earth relevant again. And uh, and if you can score off of that, then that helps you find the room for it uh instead of just having it purely as counterplay to uh, objective decks yeah kind of justifies the space in the deck a little bit more right mm-hmm. um now i know Amon, the last adepticon brought scorched earth and the only card he had to score it was abyssos unmaking so uh ris- risky play but here if you've got two um two ways of scoring that one one gambit uh especially one that doesn't require a caster to be alive that's pretty handy so uh, worth uh, worth considering for that reason alone. Uh, who else? Anybody else got a gambit they want to hit before we move on? Um, I've got uh, sudden scarcity. Um, I think it's a card that's interesting because it says that the next time an opponent spends any glory points to give a fighter an upgrade, they must spend one additional glory to do so. This effect persists until the end of the phase. Um, I, I think this has. It's kind of like no time to me. This this seems like a card that you could be really creative with. 
if you knew the right time to play it, just like no mm-hmm. time, you could really put your opponent in a tough spot. If they only have one glory left to spend and you mm-hmm. play this card, that means they're maybe not getting a key on, or maybe they're not getting, um, you know, survival instincts. Maybe they're not getting what they want. And if they only have two glory, maybe they had plans for the other glory. So I think it's, it's an interesting design space. I'm not saying I'm going to be running it in my deck per se, but I think it's, it's very interesting. And, uh, people smarter than me will definitely be able to use it. Like they, I just assume that they use no time because I've never been able to, it, I feel like I should be smart enough to use it, but I just, I can't seem to pull it off. But sudden scarcity kind of reminds me, it gives me that same vibe. So I think that's yeah. a creative card. And it really sticks it to Godsworn, which we all want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wanted to inspire? Yeah. Well, and then uh, I, I can also see if you were really going control, you combo this with um, Daylight Robbery, you know, how oh, much steel glory. <laughs> oh, steel yeah. glory and your next objective <laughs> is going to be expensive. So <laughs> take that. Um, yeah, good call. Anybody got anything else or should we move on to upgrades? I'm good for upgrades. Yeah. Same. All right. Well, Jeff, give us one. Yeah, I, I think everybody saw this and cringed a little bit inside, even Curse Breaker players. But uh, is it Jared's? Jared's Spirited Sphere? It's mm-hmm. a lost page, which we'll talk about later, about how those pages have been getting collected lately. Um, it is a ranged um, uh, upgrade that is on focus. It does one damage, range three. It has Ensnare, so it's very similar to... Uh, maybe give me a reminder on it. What's the three range with thin snare currently? That's mm. uh, not. A, that's not. Uh, uh, oh, with oh, the oh, spheres. Um, what's it no, called? No, I think you're you're thinking of uh, the uh, seeking stones. Yeah, thank you very much. Seeking that's stones. Yeah, yeah. So like seeking stones w- was already getting a bit of play with ghouls and ghosts, um, just as a way to try to get through some of the damage. So this this uh, this card gives a ranged attack to one of uh, Storm Sire's buddies. It has Ensnare, range three, restricted to, uh, to casters, and it just gives them more ways that they can just continue to, uh, to get more reach on their spells uh, in those spell-heavy decks. So I think this is almost just made for, for Curse Breakers, um, and I am really, really scared of where they're going next. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I played against one of those today, and took out uh took out storm star i was like okay everything's fine and uh then an, a um, arcane savant rastus uh threw this guy on and then kept blasting which yeah. was very disappointing for what it's worth the uh i don't think anybody did it but the uh seeking stones with hand of sigmar and uh What's the reaction to deal an extra damage upgrade that they have? Lightning whip. Lightning whip, yeah. You put those all on there together and suddenly you have almost guaranteed range three attacks that do two damage. What's scary is you can put lightning whip on this. Uh, You can put lightning whip on this attack. Well, it's just just not as accurate. But yeah, Yeah. it's still good. Two damage. Oh, it's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful (laughs) and horrible at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't have uh, the hand of Sigmar helping, but yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, imagine imagine a curse breakers that are sitting with uh, Jared's spirited sphere. You've got Storm Sire, and then you got Seeking Stones the other one, and they're just saying, "I don't care that I got three move. I'm just gonna throw things at you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Phil, what have you got? Um, so so there's a couple that I think we definitely have to talk about because of how strong they are. But I I'd, I'd like to talk about some of these 
maybe less obvious choices first. Um, I think one that is going to be low key, really good, um, is substance siphon. Um, for people who overlooked this one, <laughs> curse breakers are going to love it again. Uh, substance siphon is that it changes your defense to dodge, but you get a number of dice equal to the current turn round and your defense then cannot be modified or re-rolled. And so, well, that can mean that anybody at three dodge is pretty scary, uh, in an end phase, because if they're on guard, like, or a, not an end phase, a round three, because there'd be three dodge, but they'd also be getting blocks to work with that. Um, mm-hmm. the, the curse breaker, uh, Amos and Rastus, when they're inspired, they're already counting blocks as successes all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, so they're just on two or three dice once they're past round one that are counting blocks and dodges as successes all the time. Uh, which I don't know, seems pretty good. (laughs) Seems good. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Uh, for me, let's see. Uh, well, actually you got another spell one on here. Talk, talk to me about your other spell ones here while we're, while we're on there. Yeah. Um, so this other spell one, I think, I really like it, but there's lots of controversy about how this would work. Um, so this is Quintox Combative Cantrip. Uh, from my reading, I think you can just cast this as many times as you want because there's no targeting restriction. But some people are reading it to say that if there's no enemy fighter adjacent, because you can't push the enemy fighter, there'd be nothing you could do. So mm-hmm. this is this is a cast on a single focus where after you cast it, you push one adjacent enemy fighter up to one hex. Then you put your, the caster on guard and then you push the caster one hex. Now to my understanding spells that say, choose a whoever, when you cast the spell, those have to have a target to be able to be cast. But any other spell that doesn't specify that you have to target anybody, just go off and then you just complete any of the, criteria that you can mm. yeah I, uh i'm not knowledgeable enough to uh say either way but uh so you know. and and i believe that 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 ruling came up in the faqs previously with spell casting stuff when turtle casting became very popular for a little while so it's probably going to need to be faq'd but as as far as i understand it you should just be able to cast this spell sort of forever as a free push and guard token for the caster every time you cast it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which to me seems really great because you would potentially want to just put your fighter on guard as an action anyway. Mm -hmm. And this way you get a spell cast, a guard token and a push. Uh, So a nice one for the uh, standoff, standoff curse breakers. And, and this is also a lost page. So if you're going to go lost page build, it gives you another option um, to stack that glory as well. Well, uh, talk to us about lost pages, Jeff. We've covered a couple already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's time to, to figure out, or now it's time to reveal what is the point of all these, uh, lost pages. And we now know that there is a scattered tome, uh, that has been losing all these pages. Uh, if it says, if this fighter is surviving at the end of the third action phase, gain one glory point for each lost page upgrade this fighter has restricted to casters. So this upgrade is, uh, reminiscent of some of the, uh, Cataphrane, uh, relic, um, 
upgrades. It's uh, I could see this probably being the go-to now that uh, Tomes Molog and Tomes builds and Cataphrane uh, Relic Tome or uh, decks are kind of maybe falling off a little bit. I see this being the next one that they're going to have to try to keep uh, keep a lid on a little bit because I could see this getting out of control. All the lost page cards are seem good unlike the tomes where there's a few of them where you would never you would never use one to to maybe do a damage to an adjacent um as an action so i'm a little worried not i shouldn't say i'm worried i'm excited uh for the builds that this could have but i'm a little worried about how far it could go Mm -hmm. uh i wonder if uh if this one got some of the lady heroes players looking at arcane siphon for uh breaking breaking upgrades Probably, yeah. <laughs> I would have to think so. <laughs> the, I, if it uh, if it comes strong into the meta, it might be it might raise the value of that card for sure. Yeah, yeah, because this one doesn't take a, an, an objective card uh, to trigger it. It is just mm-hmm. um, potentially a three to four glory upgrade um, that mm-hmm. just requires being alive, which, as we've seen before, curse breakers are pretty good at. Mm. And a number of the uh, a number of the little scattered pages help with that, like uh, uh, Phil was talking about with. Um, Quintox cantrip, you can be putting yourself on guard, pushing yourself to a safe spot. Uh, there's Iara's instant shield for oh rerolling your defense. God, that so, that card right. is so ridiculous. When it if it just goes <laughs> off all the time, then <laughs> suddenly Stormsire is like, "Well, you can't touch this." <laughs> uh, I wonder if there's a Facula build into that. We'll oh, I bet there is. That. Yeah. Hmm. All right. I actually um, have an idea with that with substance siphon. Oh, tasty, tasty. Um, well, let's, uh, let's see. I've got, I've got one, um, talking about completing things. We're not complete on this yet. We just did see, uh, mandibles of the Urgrub. So we've seen the sting. We've seen the mandibles. We're still waiting on something else. Mandibles, uh, gets you there with, um, gives ensnare. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It gives a uh, heal one uh, to range one attack actions. Um, and it eventually will lead into uh, the avatar of the Urgrub uh, upgrade. Uh, once you get all three uh, and their ensnare becomes on your range one or two, I'm sorry, heal their heal uh, will be on your heal one on your one or two range one or two attack actions. Uh, that's, that's pretty nice on a big guy if you can get there. Um, I just just like it. Seeing, I don't know if uh, anyone's gonna anyone's gonna have the the deck or the build for this, but uh, it'd be fun to see um, an, an Urgrub guy <laughs> chomping around in there. So yeah, I it's so hard to imagine this working, but if if you could make it work where Molog can kind of just spin um, and hit multiple fighters, where it, even if he just connects once, he gets healed. Like that's probably pretty solid, but mm-hmm. um, it feels like it'd be really hard to pull off. So I don't know. Sure. I'm also not too sure how many of these cards there's gonna they're gonna be. Like if there's only three, there and that's what three. makes the avatar. Well, no, I know there's gonna be minimum three, um, but I'm oh, wondering if there'll point. be more. Uh, so yeah. what it says is it says the the way this all works is, is if oh, this fight yeah, is yeah. three or more. Urgrub aspects remove those cards from the game. They do not go directly into a discard pile, uh, and give the avatar of Urgrub upgrade to this fighter. So, and then his, as you mentioned earlier, he's got a whole bunch of powers. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I'm wondering is 
is if there's enough of them, it makes sense. Like Skaven would love to keep bringing back somebody as they uh, start to work their way to become an avatar. Um, But if there's only three uh, that would, or three, maybe even four, that's maybe tough to build a deck around. A lot of their fighters have range one. So there's definitely a lot of synergy there, but yeah, I really hope this is a thing. If there's any clues in the avatar card, because everything so far that's been on the avatar card has been one of the cards, we're Mm -hmm. still waiting to see um, some reactions uh, and some some other items that would build it all together. Yeah, let's let's stack it up on the sepulchral guard uh, champion. Give him three dice, cleave and snare, and plus one damage. Uh, (laughs) Heal, heals, whatever. But yeah. or yeah, or I guess even on the harvester, yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting uh, things there. And I, you raise a great point about uh, getting on somebody who can be uh, brought back again and again. Um, my other one, talking about uh, uh, fighter upgrades, is uh, the amberbone spear, and this is one I've been waiting for for a while. Uh, the drop of this might be enough to. Uh, it's it's got me actually spent some time today putting together a reavers deck again because I really wanted this. Uh, wanted to see what this was. So this is. Uh, in case you don't know, it's range two, hits on two hammers, does two damage. And if you take somebody out of action, you discard the card and get an extra glory point on top of above and beyond the kill. Um, and what's nice about the two is that it, it uh, has some, uh, it increases your range uh, as far as what your threat range is. Uh, it's much easier to trap somebody. You can position to do that, which is a big accuracy boost. And, uh, and then specifically in Reavers, if you're, uh, a little little uh, saucy. Uh, you can take fueled by slaughter, which is kill somebody and make another attack, and that is a that is something that is, benefits a lot from having some extra range two attacks in the in the warband. So, yeah, uh, and I I think we kind of assumed this was coming, and knowing from Nullstone and the Shade Glass weapons that I mean the spears were pretty much the best versions of those ones as well. Sword, mm-hmm. you could argue. It was potentially better in certain situations because it's more accurate but yeah have we seen an amber bone sword is that still we haven't seen it yet but if we assume that the weapons are a full set just like they were with nullstone and shade glass then i think we probably will okay um but no we haven't seen it yet the dagger is the one that is also coming out with Uh, these which Yeah. yeah it's okay yeah three swords cleave on a crit cleave on a crit is a is a pretty modest uh upgrade uh it's more useful for if you're somebody who's trying to have extra ways to score what armor i think than it is to actually um yeah you know if you if you're already critting a lot of times the cleave is irrelevant not always but often yeah Um, and in second uh in season two the dagger was i think one of the most powerful ones because on a crit it would do four damage um, uh, season, season season one, one right the shades shade glass dagger, glass dagger. Yeah, shade glass dagger. Yeah. um so I, I it's interesting that the dagger doesn't continue to be strong i'm glad they're kind of mixing around the weapon profiles yeah mm-hmm. well i think i think they decided that those both the hammer and the dagger from shade glass were too strong um they changed the hammer you're right how the both of those one. worked and they were both restricted i believe in the first bar they were yep yep yeah so, absolutely I think they learned their lesson there, but unfortunately that does mean that we don't really see those ones get used. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I think, I think Amberbone spear, uh, gets into the, it gets into the area that I would, I would, uh, think about including it. I'd been including Amberbone axe just on the off chance that throwing it, which wouldn't get you extra glory, 
um, but would give you the extra range you needed to make that last charge or whatever. But this this is that nice sort of in-between. Uh, Jeff, you've got another attack action upgrade in your selections. Why don't you throw that at us? Yeah, absolutely. It's called Finishing Blow. Uh, the reason I picked this one is just because of some of the card interactions that I think are coming. Um, it says Reaction. After this fighter successful attack action with Combo, which we haven't seen a lot of yet, make this attack action. It must target the same fighter plus two damage to this attack action when it when it's made in this way <laughs> yeah. and the profile on this is range one two hammers already two damage so oh. i don't I, I don't think we've fully seen combo yet nope. um and i don't know if daughters of Cain is what's going to really bring that out but if they have an innate combo on their card or that trigger word <sighs> oh, and boy. you equip this and they they attack once combo now get to attack with the finishing blow for four damage like yeah. that is just wild. So I don't actually know what this card is going to be used for because we haven't seen a lot of combo. But anytime I see four damage, it's uh, it's a scary thing. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to say Hrothgorn just puckered up a little bit. Mollock <laughs> <laughs> too. Up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then these, I, I if we if we get some builds that use combo, then some of those sort of universal universal bumps so if you've got it on a, a lighter fighter um challenge seeker you, you know you get an extra dice mm-hmm. on your initial and your combination great strength uh, effectively a potential extra two damage in that one activation from the first and then second attack so very yeah. true yeah yeah i think the only mm-hmm. downside to these and that's is just combo in general is that the only way you get the combo reaction is if your first attack was already successful so mm-hmm. it is going to need to be something that's quite accurate mm-hmm. um so I think I think right now that's maybe the the hang up, but yeah. if you can find a way to just get the volume of attacks, it could be devastating. Sure. I know I've seen some people are floating around ideas of doing Skaven with combo yeah, Black stuff. Hunger. Black hunger specifically, yeah. Because you uh, can like, uh, God, that sounds <laughs> swing three times and then combo off of any of those. That yeah, that's that's yeah. nuts. I could see sepulchral guard actually taking advantage of this too. Um, just because you have the time you can build up fighters and if they go out of action you just bring them back and they can keep swinging yeah Yeah, and i think the wolf riders have really shown it and it's a wolf rider that's on this art but the wolf riders have really shown that having two attacks per activation is strong so Mm -hmm. if combo can be anything like that i know it says it has to be successful but um if they can pull that off that's going to be really strong the only issue i see on this card is it says must attack the same fighter so Mm -hmm. In theory, something would have to be pretty big for you to have a successful attack for even one damage and then swing in for four damage more. Um, so yeah. I, I'm not, it's, it's an interesting card. I don't fully understand combo mechanics yet, but it's coming for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good call with you, uh, uh thinking maybe one of our last two remaining warbands for the season having innate combo. Uh, I think we, we tend to see every, every new rule is, is featured in some war band somewhere and we haven't seen combo innately yet. So mm. do you think poison then is going to be a featured for somebody? Oh, sure. Ooh, be I, interesting. Uh, yeah. Background wise that that could be a, uh, I think canines have had assassins and stuff, uh, at least in the, in the world that was in the old world. Yeah. Um, I'm not as, I'm not as up to speed on the AOS version, but, uh, anybody got any other upgrades we want to hit? Well, I think the elephant in the room is our cryptic companion for this mm. <laughs> this journey through Beast Grave. <laughs> um, this one was on your list, Davey. So if you'd like to discuss this one, I I think it's 
sure. it's worth mentioning. Uh, so this is a upgrade. It uh, will turn you into a um, into a quarry. And uh, if you are holding, if the uh, person who this the fighter who this uh, upgrade is applied to is holding an objective in an end phase, you get plus one glory, uh, which is nuts because that is something that existed for third end phase with the formless key. I yep. want to say, yep, yep. Uh, and that was already seeing some play. Uh, if you can do it and get glory at a time where it will do you some good, oof. So, um, and this this is a, a big boon to hold objective decks. You know, hand it hand it off to I don't know Valerie, who's standing in the back, just uh, picking her nose and sitting on an objective, and all of a sudden she's getting more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Potentially um, three glory over a game, like she'll get a supremacy's worth if you can keep her safe back there. It's, yeah, yeah. And there was Tomb of Glories before, but that took an activation and a charge token, and mm-hmm. um, this seems like a much easier way to do it. Well, well, there's no I reason would... you can't do both. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, or que no los dos, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I am shocked that this is a card that would come out. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are saying, oh, well, you know, you can just push somebody off or whatever. But how many times have you ended up getting into an end phase and you don't have any push cards left and somebody puts out a key and you're like, dang it. They're going to score that one or two extra glory they need to win this game because of that key upgrade. And that's just in one end phase. This is all of them. Like, yeah, to put it in perspective, like most of the time, and I think maybe we lose sight of the math here, but it's like most upgrades we view as like worth one glory. So Mm -hmm. if this even scores you one glory, it's, it's done its job. So Mm -hmm. anything on top of that is just gravy so it's like <laughs> what yeah like what what <laughs> send uh send allenson to the glory mines there take his take yeah. his buddy he just has a he has a book club in the corner he's got his companion and he's reading his book well <laughs> and like i mean there's so many applications for this with i mean obviously with hold objectives but but even just for control decks where it's like, I'm going to have one fighter that I can sort of guarantee can stay on this objective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll just have a way to sit in a corner and generate glory for me. I mean, I guess we joked about, uh, about comboing it with Tome of Glories, but let's say the first upgrade you get out is Tome of Glories. Then you read that, which gives you another glory, which you then can spend on companion. And you've, you've had one glory kind of be the, the seed for, for a real, right you know, steady, steady flow of further glory. Yeah. So you wouldn't, you would need to apply this though before the end phase. That's true. You would. Yeah. Yeah. I just was thinking about that, about how you could get this out sneakily, but I don't think you can. I think you got to put this out so that somebody can use the nightmare in the shadows. Is it, um, to try to the second. Yeah. Yeah. Push, try to get them off, but But uh, I mean, nightmare in the shadows. (laughs) Yeah. Block it. Yeah. I think, I think the other thing that maybe is, um, not immediately obvious with this is that it, in hold objective decks, it starts to pull people in multiple directions for how you deny objectives. Because mm-hmm. if you got, say, one person with Tome of Glories and one person with Cryptic Companion and mm-hmm. another person who's just sitting on an objective and it's like, I I lose pretty much no matter what I do here, 
I have to get somebody off because they're holding three. I need to stop supremacy or whatever. Mm. But if I, you know, pick the wrong one, then all of a sudden they, well, I mean, it, it, it gives you a situation where there's no right choice and that's always a horrible state to be in as an opponent. Um, and well, I think that's fine in, in general. I think that most games need that to be able to have control of game state to, to put it on like the strongest version of decks. It currently in the meta is strange. Sure. It's a little, yeah. little now, of course, maybe, you know, they didn't necessarily know to what extent, uh, hold objective play was going to affect the meta. I'm sure that they meant to make it stronger because it was basically non-existent before Beastgrave. Mm-hmm. Um, so despite all the complaining, it's kind of like, well, this is sort of what we asked for, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, but, but yeah, so it's sort of like, oh man, this embarrassment of riches for people who are playing hold objectives, mm-hmm. um, which I think goes back to the point that Jeff made of like, well, nightmare has to be there, right? It's the, the release valve. That's, right. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's a pretty broad look. Um, I'm glad we tried didn't try to hit every card cause, uh, <laughs> we'd, be, we'd be here for a while. Um, but, uh, anybody got anything else they want to hit before we, uh, wrap it up? No, no, I'm just really excited for these cards. I know we, we kind of tore into some of them saying, you know, these, these are uh, outliers for maybe being, uh, problems, but I think I have full faith in the GW community team or sorry, the underworld's community team to, to kind of pick it. I'm sure they've already got their eye on some of them. The cards that need mm-hmm. to come out first. They're not going to put it a band or sorry, a restricted list before the cards even come out. They're going to come out. They're going to let people play them for a week or two, and then they'll make uh, whatever balancing decisions they have to. And I could sure. see scattered tome ending up on there. I could see, you know, some of these other ones ending up on there. Um, so I, I'm not too worried. I'm, I, I think the game is going to continue to be healthy and there just might need to be some tweaks along the way. Yeah, we can't really look at these in isolation because you know these these came along with two new warbands, and uh, we we really just don't know yet what the impact of Rothgorn and the Man Trappers, and to you know maybe a lesser extent the Wormspat. We'll see with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how how are they going to warp the warp the meta in different ways? Sure. Um, so it's an exciting time to be playing the game. Absolutely. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Um, you can get in touch with us at WTHCast on Twitter or whatthehexcast at gmail.com. I want to say thanks for uh, people who comment or reach out. It's always uh, it's always fun to chat with you. Um, you can find Jeff bopping around the Facebook groups. I think is that uh, usually the best way for them to... to yeah, yeah, always in the shadows, always watching, sometimes commenting. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're, uh, you're the cryptic companion to Mortal Realms. We get glory just by you hanging out with us. So. <laughs> Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're always glad to have you on. So uh, and uh, behind the scenes, we've been doing you and you and I were doing a little brainstorming today on uh, Fecula and the Worm Spat. So uh, see if we can come up with something. I think I think you made much better progress than I did. I was I was feeling pretty good about what I put together. Then you uh, you sent a link, and I was like, ooh, I think I'm just gonna take that instead. <laughs> There's something there. There's something there. If you can feel it. Yeah. Um, I we have a couple moving pieces as far as what our next episode will be. But uh, just 
uh, a little glimpse into the future here. Some of the things we got coming up, we're still working on a uh, Gits episode. Uh, we'd like to do a worm spat deep dive. Uh, we may be looking at an episode on alternate play styles. Uh, we'd love to get a uh, Reavers episode out uh, as well as all the uh, lead up to and follow up from Adepticon. So uh, those are some of the things you can be looking forward to in future episodes uh, as we as we get them in line. If there's something you particularly want to hear about, we're always also uh, happy to hear, uh, happy to take uh, recommendations. Um, and uh, we'll go from there. Your uh, recommended listening for this episode is Universal Sound by Tyler Childers. An excellent track. I recommend you listen to it. And we'll throw it up on... Uh, uh, link on the show notes, but, uh, that's going to do it. So, uh, Jeff, one more time. Thank you. And, uh, for what the hecks I've been Davey. This is Phil. This is Jeff. There's a there's a veteran guest. He knows right where where he comes in. Yeah, so. jumped right in there. I knew it. I could Perfect. feel it. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know them well enough yet to like read the name without having to go to another page anyway. So I thought I'm just going to right click and say copy, and then I'm just right click in here and say paste. So it kind of worked yeah. out well. I I don't know them well hmm. enough either, and that didn't stop me. But. <laughs>